Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 2. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear from all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. have received some really good positive feedback regarding the discussions about mother-daughter relationships. I want to continue these discussions, especially as we transition into the next few weeks, the next few months, in which we are going to want to be around our family for some sort of celebration or to feel connected. So for October, I will focus on the mother-son relationship. And then I'll conclude this month with thoughts about what children have taught me personally over the last couple of years. So let's get started. The mother and son relationship is a unique dynamic. Simplistically, Freud would say that a young boy loves his mom. However, there is a psychological battle with his father at some point, a sort of competition, and eventually the young boy will feel defeated and end up identifying or siding with the father. Although I think Freud brings a lot of entertainment to the field of social work, human behaviors, and the psyche, Freud at least allowed us in the helping profession to consider many possibilities to understand more about people, to understand more about kids, even young adults, and older adults as well, we don't all fit into these boxes. We don't always have the same symptoms or use the same words to articulate our experience. That being said, this is one experience of one family who decided to get mental health treatment for their son at a time when they were facing um, some major distresses. Let me introduce Matthew to you. He is 15 years old. He lives with both biological parents, his mom and dad. 
Matthew attends a prestigious school for the gifted and talented. Matthew is a fantastic artist and creatively well advanced among others in his age group. He has received many awards and has been requested to show and also present um, his arts and major art shows. Matthew does well in school, academically and socially. He is uh, socially engaged with a few friends. However, Matthew prefers having few relationships that are meaningful rather than having many superficial relationships. Matthew describes his life as a little lonely, a little quiet, and a little chaotic. That is Matthew's voice. So let's listen. Or this is Matthew's voice. So let's listen. There is not much to share. My parents want me to come to therapy. The truth is, most of the challenges we have are with them. My mom and dad met when they were in high school. My mom got pregnant. And when she was in high school, this wasn't the best thing to do, I guess, in our type of family. So they had to marry. It seems like I am blamed for all their decisions, getting pregnant in high school, having to marry early in life, not having family supports, even their debt appears to be related to me. This is just why I want to leave the house. I want to leave, leave, leave. And when I turn 18, that is my plan. My mom, oof, where do I begin? She has so many problems. She goes from crying to yelling in a matter of seconds. She is constantly on me for stuff like taking out the trash or washing the dishes. She doesn't understand that I have stuff to do. I have deadlines to meet. I try to block her out, just ignore her, but sometimes she can just be so intense. Now my mom stays home, she doesn't work. She's there to support me, I guess, and my younger siblings. When I was younger, it was okay. She would take me to art classes. Uh, she was fun and we laughed. I even remember times when we would make things together. There were some special moments I remember about her being happy. However, most of the time she was sad and probably depressed. This is probably why I'm such a good artist. When I was young, we did things together. She was the person who taught me about blending colors and using my imagination. She also put me in classes and often took me to my aunt's art studio. As I got older, I could see more and more about her depression and moodiness. I didn't want to be around her. When someone is constantly judging you or telling you what to do or what they think, you stop listening. And I did this many times. This was a normal part of my practice, just zoning out. My escape was through my paintings. I could do this for hours and I could get lost. It became harder and harder to focus 
on my creativity at home. She would complain about my art or the type of mess that I left or tell me I could or couldn't create something in a particular way. She always had an opinion. So I started to spend more time in the art studio. I didn't want to be home and I still don't. I don't want to be around her. I recall one time when my dad and siblings were gone. I think they went to the grocery store or something. I was home looking for some supplies. I spent more time with my mom at home during this period because of COVID. So it was hard and I saw that she was just bad. She was at a bad place. We have a back house where we keep a lot of the supplies. So I was there looking for some things that I needed. She came into the back house just yelling and screaming at me. I ignored her like I try to do most of the time. I guess she got madder and picked up a quart size of paint. You know, the stuff in the quart container. She threw it at me. That fucking bitch. I didn't think it would hit me, but I remembered being on the floor. The next thing I remember was being um, laying against the wall of the room and kind of having a little bit of blurred vision. I just couldn't believe it. It hurt. It hurt a lot. At first, I wasn't sure what happened. I just knew that I had some pain. I started to yell back at her, you stupid bitch, you hit me in the head. She stood by the door, wouldn't let me leave the room. She didn't even apologize and she blamed me again. See what you made me do? You better listen to me. That's all I remember her saying. I got my cell phone and was going to call the police. She took my phone from me and threw it on the floor. This pissed me off. I paid for this phone. This was my phone. And she broke it. I'm not sure how I felt about some of the other stuff, but what was going on was familiar. She often acts like this, but she rarely hits me and she never hit me with a paint container before. I just, I started to get quiet I didn't say anything and eventually she left. My dad came home and found out what happened. Oh boy, that's another story. I apologized and I, I just didn't care anymore. I hate her and I, I just want to leave. Yeah, I think about suicide a lot. I feel my, mom, my, I feel my mom is out of control and my father doesn't care. I believe this is why I'm such a good painter. I'm so good at painting and drawing. This is what I do when I don't have to be disturbed or think about anything. I go into the studio. I feel this sense of energy. I feel empowered. And the pain, pain no longer hurts. I don't think I'm depressed. When I'm away from my family, I am happy. They can't see this. They can't see what they're doing to me. They can't see how they are destroying me. Maybe I am depressed.
Maybe I am depressed when I'm home. But when I'm gone, I'm happy. At this point, I don't want to work on my relationship with her. There is nothing I need to do to change. However, my mom is part of the problem. She needs to change. She should be here in therapy working on her. She should be the one to go on medication or do something to control herself better. It's not me. This is a short introduction to Matthew at the onset of treatment. There were some traumas Matthew had experienced. As a clinician, I suspect other clinicians will want to work on the present trauma of physical abuse. For example, when the mom threw a can of paint and it hit Matthew in the head. He sustained a pretty severe head injury and he did need medical attention due to his mom's behavior. However, this does not get to the underlying issue for Matthew. I encourage you to continue to listen to the treatment portion of this podcast and the work um, with this family from a clinical perspective. What, what we or what I learned in listening to Matthew from his perspective is the idea of not feeling loved. He did not experience a welcoming into the world when he was born. Matthew believed his two parents were unhappy with each other. They got pregnant and were for, forced to stay together because of the pregnancy. Matthew saw himself as the problem. The one reminder that his mom and dad were not happy with each other. He was a representation of their unhappiness. I have talked about this before. In terms of trauma, understanding and processing when a person is brought into the world, how their life is celebrated or ignored, resorts into core beliefs about oneself. Matthew saw himself as a representation of something painful for his parents. So defensively, wanting to leave is a natural response. Just to back up a little bit, it's not necessarily a natural response, it is a response. Matthew's attempt to survive through these periods discussed being deeply and passionately connected to his paintings and drawings. This was his outlet, and for some boys it can be books, video games, sports, music, and other activities. Matthew, since early childhood, found ways to disassociate and disconnect, and this was a means to manage poor, disorganized attachments with his mother. For Matthew, he feared and loved his mother. Unfortunately, this relationship from Matthew's experience, because of his beliefs about the emotional and physical abuse, left him feeling unsafe a lot of the time. He was avoided and resistant to her. There were times that his body reacted in ways that he did not understand, especially when he was in the presence of his mother. Matthew struggled to self-regulate his emotional expression and zoned out or disassociated from the relationship altogether. This was a protective mechanism. He was making attempts to feel safe. 
I'll say that one more time. This kid, by the age of uh, 15, was making attempts to feel safe. That's just beautiful. One of the things beautiful about Matthew was his ability to create his experience non-verbally. Matthew's predicament with continued treatment and therapeutic support is the idea that once he feels safe, or let me rephrase that a different way, I predict with continued treatment and therapeutic support that once Matthew starts to feel safer, things may change for him. Once he starts to have other relationships where safety and security are addressed, his creativity may change. This is often a struggle other people report. As one is moving towards healing in the healing process, their motivation and inspiration changes. Some people can't and don't want to give this up. So they believe that staying sick or being ill will serve them better. And this, in Matthew's case, is his way to survive. At least before the age of 18, until he, he believes he can move out of the house and things will get better. There are many stages of healing. And for Matthew, he is young and gifted. I hope you can hear a lot more about some of the struggles with Matthew. He is not alone. Boys in general are brought into the world for various reasons. It is the meaning of their experience that is important. It is the ways they learn to cope or adapt to their families. It is their voice and this should be heard without the distractions from other adults. Young men are more likely to live with depression, especially those whose personalities keep them from feeling. Young men who are not able or willing to cry, young men who internalize their feelings, young men who suffer but keep it to themselves because it is not socially or culturally appropriate. Those are the risk factors we should be examining. I encourage you to continue to listen next week. You will hear Matthew's mother, Elizabeth, share her voice, her perspective, and her struggles with being a parent. Thank you to my sons for being the children and young men you are today. You have taught me so much about different ways to listen to your specific voice. Thank you to all the kids and young men who complied with their parents' request to participate in therapy. You continue to teach me that we are different and our stories are all important. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying, the keys to happiness are following the path
towards knowing oneself. Ancient comedic proverbs.